Okay, so you're here for some great church leadership content. The podcast is great, but there's also another piece of content you need to be enjoying each week. It is the Leading Saints email newsletter. Now I get it. Email newsletters feel so 2006, you know, but it isn't as old fashioned as you might think. It's actually one of the most popular pieces of content that Leading Saints produces. Each week, I share a unique leadership thought that can only be found in the newsletter. I keep it short and sweet. Most can read it in less than five minutes. And then we share with you recent content you might have missed, throwback episodes, and Leading Saints events that happen more often than you might anticipate. If you want to make sure you are on the email list, simply visit leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. That will also get you 14 days access to our full library of content not available to the general public. So look for Leading Saints in your inbox by going to leadingsaints.org 14 or click the link in the show notes. So it's Wednesday, and that means on the Leading Saints podcast, we do a How I Lead interview. This is where we go out and talk with everyday leaders who don't necessarily feel like experts or gurus or know-it-alls, but simply individuals who've been asked to lead or stepped into a leadership role and said, you know what, I think I can make a difference here. And today we're headed to Canyon City, Colorado to chat with Ashley Smith, who is a great Latter-day Saint, but also the mayor of this small town. And her experience of being mayor teaches a lot about leadership in general and will bless the life of any church leader who listens to this episode. Now, listen in for these specific concepts that I thought were really genius on her part to articulate. One of those is, how do you be a figurehead? How do you step into that role of not only representing yourself, but feeling like you represent a ward or an organization? Also, she talks about helping other people feel heard and earning their buy-in. This is crucial for council settings uh, that we experience in church leadership is to gain people's buy-in so you don't have to be the tyrannical leader. Nobody wants to be the tyrant. Am I right? And to gain buy-in so that you can move forward as a unified body in all things that you do. You're going to love it. Here's my interview with Ashley Smith, the mayor of Canyon City, Colorado. Today, we're headed to Canyon City, Colorado with Ashley Smith. How are you, Ashley? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think. Uh, do you remember who originally connected us or how, how did we get in the middle of this interview? Um, there was somebody that I served with in the Colorado Springs Stake that connected us back when you were coming to Pueblo, Colorado. Oh, that's right. Cool. And Canyon City is just south of Colorado Springs, about an hour, right? We're an hour south of Colorado Springs, but that's also where our stake is. So we're kind of like in missionary country. Uh, we have two little tiny wards where I live. Our temple is a good two-hour drive away in Denver. Nice. And um, this is, uh, as we do the the How I Lead segment, we always look for maybe a calling or a unique approach to to leadership. And, and yours is definitely unique because you're not currently in a specific leadership calling, 
but at the same time you are. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, sure. I um, ran for city council almost eight years ago. And at that time, our state president was pretty excited about that opportunity that could provide for our community. He kind of hooked me up with some people he knew who were in public service. And luckily I got, I went through that campaign and got on city council and later ran for mayor and was elected as mayor. During both of those times, our stake president made it very clear that that's my church calling is to serve the community of Canyon City. And it does take a lot of time. So I really appreciated that he made that designation um, for me to be able to do that. And it has been a wonderful opportunity to be a leader and not only a figurehead for a community, but hopefully a positive figurehead for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And I love that approach that, um, you know, we're, we're encouraged to sort of be active in our community and whatnot. And uh, for a leader to say, hey, you know, that's great that you're in this, uh, you know, at the mayor or on, on city council, and that should be sort of your your calling as well. And and it's going to you're going to serve the church just as much as you serve the community as as being a representative representative uh, in that capacity. So I, I love that approach. Yeah, it was really it's it's been awesome. Actually, actually, when I was elected, my husband as mayor, my husband was serving as bishop, and at that time, right around after the election was successful, he was released as bishop, so that there was more availability for a parent to be at home. Mm. I also have a son that has some special needs, and he got a call to be a service missionary during my second term. And so he goes into our community and he also gets out to the community to serve in lots of different ways. But for me personally, it's been a huge blessing because he also has some extra time and he serves our family so, so much. If I have a city council meeting or need to meet with different stakeholders, that we have soccer practice, basketball practice, and all the other things in running a household that his part of his service is taking care of our family too and cooking dinner. And it's been a huge, huge help for us. Yeah. And it's interesting that when my term ends, that his service mission will also end about the same time. And then it will hmm. be my turn to help um, my little service missionary to take his next steps in life. Nice. So is, is there an opportunity to, uh, run for re-election or is this a one term and you're done uh, approach? I could run one more time. So we'll see, but I, okay. you know, I feel like God called me to run and I'm starting to feel that maybe God's calling me for a new, a new yeah. adventure. So we'll yeah. see where he takes me. Nice. And so maybe just talk to me about being uh, a woman in politics, you know, especially local politics and that, and that calling. I love how you frame it that way that you truly felt called and uh, articulate that that story and that framing? Um, yeah, sure. So actually, at least in my experience in the state of Colorado, there are a lot of women that are serving in elected capacities, which is totally awesome. For Canyon City itself, we just celebrated our 150th anniversary, and I am the second out of 150 years, mayor, that's a woman, to lead our community. The first one was back in the 90s, and she was 79 years old. And oh so goodness. I always think of her as a really, really cool um, person to look up to in the service that she provided in leading out and being the first female mayor. We have actually in our county, 
just right next door, there's another city that has a female mayor and she's also LDS. And it's been amazing during my time to find how many LDS women actually are serving in, in a, a political fashion. And it's totally awesome. And there's definitely a good place for us to be in that position. I think LDS women are well equipped to do it. And yeah. any um, anyone that has that desire to just simply be a voice for the people, then you're qualified for that job. But for a woman in particular, I just remember thinking when I was first on city council, you know, it's a little overwhelming and intimidating, but after getting in there for a little bit, I'm like, oh yeah, like if, if I could handle girls executing a girls camp on a stake level, because at that time I was at stake in women's president. And, and I'm sorry to say that sometimes that doesn't tell lots of strong opinions and some drama. Like yeah, if I can handle getting through that, then yeah, I can do city council. I mean, this is pretty much the same. And that thick skin that you develop, but also we're just brought up to be, to serve. And as moms, we are really good at taking care of our people without a lot of thanks and yet be able to diffuse, you know, when things get really um, heightened with emotions. And sometimes if I have a chamber, if there's a hot top and hot topic, that's in and people are getting pretty rowdy. Sometimes I don't even think about it. It's like that mom comes out and the gavel goes down and it's like, it's time to get order. Everybody needs a chance to have equal opportunity to talk and to say their piece. And it's just, it's like, oh yeah, the mom and me, you know, raising, I have a daughter, but I also have five really busy, crazy boys. And it just kind of comes out. And I, I love my family and I love my community and taking care of them is pretty much, pretty much has the same, same values and strategies. Yeah. So, so you have, uh, you wield the power of the gavel quite literally there. <laughs> yes. Uh, luckily I don't have to use it very often. Oh, good. <laughs> I like that. I mean, even, I mean, obviously ward councils are pretty civil, uh, you know, uh, you know, gatherings and whatnot, but I, you know, the, the concept of the gavel is kind of interesting and I'm sure, I'm sure it comes in handy from time to time. So. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, especially, <laughs> you know, there's lots of things for people to get really, really emotionally charged about. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, tell I me like, enjoy those sometimes too. Yeah. Is there a story behind that, that calling that came? I mean, was it to uh, run for, for the city council? I mean, what, and what did that feel like? And how did you step into that with confidence? Like my personal calling? Yeah. Like when you, you feel like you were called by God to, to do this, uh, what was that? Was that a, a moment or an ex, a story behind that? Um, yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things that led up to it. One, as I said, I have a, a busy family, uh, six kids, but the youngest uh, started school and I just had this need to have a really full plate and I just really thrive in that. And also mm. needed to have a lot of people time and opportunities to be with other humans. And there were also some things that were happening in our community that was feeling pretty passionate about. And I was started writing into our newspaper and I started getting published on a number of topics and published not only in our local paper, but in Colorado Springs and Pueblo and, and sometimes in Denver. And that really got me interested 
in what was happening in our community. And, and because I was having those feelings, God was like, you need to write about this. And so I did, and that gave me that opportunity. And then I was also um, driving home from dropping kiddos off. And Goddess is like, yeah, now you need to run for city council. Hmm. And I had those interests when I was younger. And so it was an opportunity to revisit kind of those interests that I had. Um, like when I was in high school, I worked at the state capitol for Idaho and was an intern there and just stuff like that. Yeah. And so that felt like a comfortable place to be. And luckily I had a successful election. And then as time progressed, I became the mayor pro tem, which is like a vice mayor and mm -hmm. then ran for mayor after that. Really loved yeah. the opportunity to integrate with people, meet lots of people I never would have before as definitely in a shell probably of these are, you know, these are my, my church friends, my church people, and I've been able to branch out and recognize that there are so many incredible people in this community and in our, our world that are doing really, really awesome things. And we have a lot of conversations about God, about faith, about looking to the divine. And it's so amazing. And how many times that I'll sit down with different individuals and we end up bearing testimony to each other. And it's in a very natural, um, uplifting way. That's not preachy, but an opportunity for us to connect person to person and spirit to spirit. Yeah. And tell me about just when you were elected to the uh, city council and, and just starting that journey as what was it like as a woman to begin, you know, at that time sitting on, on the city council and I mean, what were there lots of other women? Was it hard to have your voice be heard or what was that dynamic like? I started out as the only woman. I replaced one woman as another one. And it actually was great. Like I, my dad raised us girls to be strong women. Hmm. Um, he grew up in a home. He's a convert to the church. He grew up back in the East Appalachian Mountains, up the holler. Um, had an abusive home where he saw his mother um, get beat. He himself had been hospitalized um, from his dad, and he ran away from home when he was 17, came to Utah. The sister missionary that had baptized him and his mom or taught them and had them, you know, they were able to get baptized. She took him in as a foster, kind of like a foster parent before foster parenting really existed. And based on that, he raised five girls and he raised us to be strong women. <laughs> and I'd actually had gotten the black belt in women's self-defense too. Oh, wow. For fun. And when I first <laughs> got into city council, there were a couple of times, because that was when recreational marijuana was really a big conversation oh, yeah. in Colorado several years ago. And that is a really hot topic button that gets really emotionally charged and there were a couple of times where i thought i was gonna to have to whip out my black belt experiences to <laughs> like okay everybody everybody calm down that's <laughs> yeah yeah but wow. and but for the most part very well it, it was an awesome experience i would say there's only a couple of times usually with older men where one would would be like um oh you're not going to be any help for me or just, you know, or not so much because I was a woman, but maybe because I had been a stay at home mom before. And I, but I just 
loved taking that on as a challenge and was like, let me prove you wrong. Like I can handle this. And we developed really good relationships after that and just developing that rapport. So what advice would you give to maybe a a woman who feels like, you you know, even an award setting or a a award council setting that they're having a hard time having their voice be heard? Is there any, any advice that you'd give them? But my advice, if they're having a hard time having their voice heard, would be to talk about it. I guess first talk about it one-on-one with the person who's not allowing them to have their voice heard. But, um, But be strong and do it because your voice is incredibly important. There, you represent at least 50% of the population in the church, which means your voice is representing half of the church population. And I have definitely found that in the city side, when we have focus groups or boards or committees or advisory groups, that if we have a group that has all the people who maybe have the same backgrounds, philosophies, ideas, or education, or in the same business, that they get very tunnel visioned on certain things But if we create a group or or an advisory that has all, every possible different viewpoint or avenue have a representation in that group, the different backgrounds, the different um, businesses, uh, stakeholders, or just plain citizens. I mean, we take, you know, those who are for it, those who are against, make sure we're all at that table together and then we're able to see the issue from every single possible vantage point. And we've had a lot of aha moments like, oh, like this is a gap that we really need to be aware of. That, and we wouldn't have had that if people weren't allowed to come at the table and to have that voice. Yeah. And you mentioned the term uh, earlier as far as uh, th- having thick skin. Um, and maybe, you know, you talk about your upbringing and whatnot, maybe that just sort of naturally nurtured into you or maybe some, um, uh, uh, you know, nature as well in that. But I mean, what is, what do you mean by thick skin? Like, like, do you, do you just, uh, and what does it, what does it look like in a moment when you're feeling like I've got to have some thick skin here in order to get through this discussion or this debate or whatever it is? Sure. So whether it's serving, you know, as a mayor or maybe as a bishop or a Leaf Society president, you probably need to have some thick skin because it doesn't matter what you decide, somebody's going to be upset about it. Like there's, you're never going to be able to satisfy everybody. And so there's a few things that help. And one is understanding that a lot of times those issues aren't about me personally. It might be about the topic or other things that are happening. And so don't internalize it so personally if there's criticism. And secondly, to keep the bigger picture in mind. Like this isn't about me, this isn't about this person, this is about this bigger topic that we are really trying to to tackle and take on. And, and, And sometimes you'll just have to say, yep, just let it slide, just let it slide and let it go. And sometimes there's temptations maybe to hold grudges against people because some really awful, mean things can be said um, that are very personal, that that they target it to you personally. 
as a public figure. And sometimes it's a temptation to hold that as a, a grudge, but especially in a small community or say in our congregations, is I was given advice to never take it personally, to never hold it against them, to still be their friend, to still be civil, to still be able to have conversations and work together because chances are you're going to really need that person again for one way or another. You're going to need to have a good working relationship with them. And that has been really, really good advice. Yeah. It also really helped, really helped me in my campaign as well, because I was running against someone who is really divisive and I just tried above and beyond to be really diplomatic and keep my cool. And that's what set me apart from the other candidate and tried really hard to keep that. Yeah. That same philosophy. I often talk about this general dynamic in leadership where no matter what you do, there will always be like roughly 15% of those that you lead that just really don't like you or don't jive with your style or disagree with you a lot. And the temptation there is to give that 50%, you know, you know, or 85% of your attention, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you want to win them over, right? Cause you just want everybody to be happy with how you're leading and doing these things. But a lot of times it, takes sort of the courage to ignore them for a bit, knowing that, you know, maybe that we're not going to agree, or then there's the time to, you know, reach out and try and understand and, and understand where you're coming from. So how do you, when you realize there's that group of people who just don't like you as a leader or constantly opposed to your opinions and approaches, how do you, like, what do you do with that group? So I can think of several specific people, groups. <laughs> they will go unnamed, right? <laughs> they will absolutely go unnamed. And the strategies that I've personally used will were a variety of things. One of them is I really like 95% of you as a person. Like I really like 95% of you, but this 5% is, is just really making me upset or whatever, and just reminding myself that I really need to focus on that 95% that I really like and, and admire about that person. And, or maybe the depth of knowledge they have on something. And also recognize that they're actually right. Not only some of the times, but a lot of the times too. And so I'm, mm. I can't discount everything they say all the time. I need to actually listen to what they have to offer because sometimes they're right. Um, mm. and, and it goes back to that we can't just be with people we agree with all the time because sometimes they'll bring up points that we need to take into consideration. And we, as a council, often we're like, it's bad. If, if at the city council, if we are, are always are agreeing on everything all the time, that's not healthy. We need to have people that are questioning, probing, wanting to dig a little bit deeper and sometimes we need to agree to disagree. And that's good for a really robust, healthy discussion. And what we try to focus on is, okay, now that we've agreed on this certain thing and we voted on it, but now it's time for us to put that aside and we're moving forward as a unified unit. And yeah. Because what we care about is taking care of X, Y, and Z, you know, our, our, our ward, our congregation, or our young women. And that's what's important here. 
Yeah. I love how, you know, we'll just frame them as the 15%, the the opposition voice. I love how you frame it that, yeah, sometimes they're right. And as a leader, just in those moments to point that out, even with them saying, hey, you know what? I missed this one. You were right there. Like I keep keep pushing back and help me, you know, give me your perspective because sometimes you're right. And that really builds a, you know, then they feel heard and and they're more willing to lean in and suddenly They'll wake up one day and they're not part of the 15% anymore, right? Right. And I think when you say that they felt heard, that's a really, really big thing is that everybody really wants to feel heard and to be able to really sit down and listen and absorb what they have to say goes a really long ways. Yeah. That's awesome. Tell me about when you were elected mayor and what shifted in the leadership dynamic going from the city council to being the mayor. A lot, just a lot more responsibility as far as like being the figurehead of the city, of going to banquets every single weekend, Friday and Saturday night, every (laughs) week. I can tell you love that. <laughs> if the news wants to call and do an interview, they want to talk to the mayor, and it's not always a pleasant conversation. Um, and that people think that as if you're a mayor, and maybe it's the same, probably the same as a, a church calling, that you have this magic wand and you can just <laughs> make things happen and produce and change with that magic wand. And it just doesn't work that way. (laughs) Yeah. I'm Um, I'm still looking for that magic wand for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, For some mayors have a vote on their councils and I don't. Oh, I do not have a vote unless there's a tie. And then I say, I always win when I get to vote because I'm a tiebreaker. But, and some people call that like a, a weak mayor kind of leadership. And I really see it in a different light of, my job is really to, for things that are priorities, that it's necessary to rally the troops, to get people on the same page, to get us all moving in the same direction. And that's where I kind of see my role as mayor. I, I may not vote during the meetings, but I, my job is to rally the troops and get us moving into the right direction and helping us all hopefully get onto the same page. And I think there's a lot of power and value in that. Um, Whenever I've had that temptation to say, hey, you know, I'm the mayor and we just need to do this. And this is what we're going to do. That has always been a huge disaster. And so that's always a humbling moment to realize that you really do need to get people on board, have them have buy-in to the process, buy-in and be able to create a product that we all want to get behind. Yeah. I, I love the, the, the term figurehead that you use. And that's really the, you know, I think of being a bishop or even a Relief Society president, stake president, you know, some of the, or, or a primary president to all the children, you know, you're, you're the figurehead there. And that can be daunting. You know, I remember those instances of, you know, interacting with somebody maybe for the first time and knowing that, Whatever interaction they have with me, they're in their mind, they're going to classify it as an interaction they had with the ward. And that, that can feel heavy and a lot of pressure. And and it's easy to go passive or or just, you know, be submissive to whatever they, they want or their request or uh, whatnot. And so, 
yeah, that's a that's a daunting pressure of just being a figurehead and and stepping in that role with confidence, right? Right, absolutely. And I will say that a lot of times if I'm feeling I need some mentorship, I often look to our prophet as the figurehead of our church and like, how is he handling similar situations? Because a lot of things on a city level, they're nonpartisan. We're not crafting legislation that has to do with morals or political parties. It's just taking care of everybody equally for, you know, lots of different, you know, parks and potholes or COVID during COVID. That was a really big thing. And just looking to the prophet and see how he, he handles himself and the advice that they offer as I study the general conference talks or other um, encouragement that they give to us as members. And I, I try, not perfect, but I try to be in, in alignment with that because I feel like that's a pretty safe place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. So teach us about, you mentioned buy-in. Uh, this is probably a big concept that uh, you have to wrestle with as the mayor or even on the city council. I mean, what what would you teach other leaders about how to gain buy-in from those you're leading with? Well, there's a, a methodology that is really terrible to use in, in our realm, and that is to decide something, tell everybody what you decided, and then you have to try and convince them that it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's the decide, tell, and convince mode. And it's really unproductive. Yeah. It's a lot better to, as I've mentioned before, create focus groups or bring all the different parties in and have sit-downs or committees and advisories and, and really get everyone involved in the decision-making process itself so that they have that buy-in for it. So when it is time to formally adopt whatever that decision is, that we, as many people as possible participated in that process. And so they feel like they, they were a part of that. And also when somebody criticizes it, I can also go back and say, well, we've had, you know, we had a community survey that had, you know, 1700 people participated in it, plus focus groups and plus this and this and that. And we all came together and decided this together. This wasn't a me thing. This was a us. And that really, really helps create that product, that decision-making process that is more palatable to everybody. Of course, in a church setting, it, that when you would never do that with doctrine, but maybe you would with some administration things or um, other things of just the daily parts of running a, a, your local influence in your church congregation for day-to-day -day operations. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm hearing as you articulate that is, you know, you mentioned earlier, people want to be feel heard, right? And and that's a big part of, of the buy-in. Like, in this process, I feel heard. And so I can buy into the direction we're heading, even though maybe I'm not, it's not 100% the way that I would do it. But there's always also this contribution feeling as well. Like, if I can contribute to this, then I own it. And and it's mine. And my voice was heard. And, and you know, I think of, you know, on the the national government level, you know, uh, senators or congressmen will put a bill together and they'll often use their name, right? It'll be two or three names on, on the bill. And and it's almost like your name's on the bill now, like you, you hundred percent are buying this, right? And they'll, they'll, th you know, 
paraded as, oh, this is the perfect bill and this is why we should do it. And I think because they, they feel I contributed to this, you know, I put this together and that goes a long way if, if people not only feel heard, but feel like, you know, I contributed, like I, I put some, you know, blood, sweat and tears into this effort and uh, a lot of buy-in can come from that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of power in it. And and sometimes the products that we come, it's awesome. We feel like everybody comes out like, like it's a win-win, you know, everybody's happy. But I also warn that sometimes it's, it's a, everyone's balanced in also being mad about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so as long as everybody's equally unhappy, then we must have found that perfect medium to, yeah. to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets tricky, you know, in our, in our faith tradition and the, the tradition of councils and what's been revealed, you know, the doctrine of covenants talks about this word that my mouth was not meant to, to say, but I'll try it. unanimity, right? That there's this feeling of, we all need to be on board. Right. And that's a, that's a powerful divine principle. Um, man, but sometimes there's this, there's sort of that moment of like, okay, not only does everybody agree, but is everybody sort of mad about it on the same level? I don't know. Like it's a, but it's an interesting uh, dynamic because it does happen. And, and when you say it that way, it's like, wow, you know, that is so true that sometimes we need to just realize, you know, I can get behind this. It's not exactly how I would do it if it was up to me individually, but uh, we're all sort of feeling in that boat. And so let's move forward, right? Mm, we just got to move forward and keep keep <laughs> plugging away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, what, what else are we missing here? Um, Anything specific in your outline that we want to make sure we, we hit on before we, we begin to wrap up? Um, I may, might like to talk a little bit about assumptions that mm. sometimes that we make. And assumptions are when we tell ourselves that something is true without actually having any evidence that it is. As a mayor, I get a lot of those. And usually the more wild the assumption, the more it spreads like wildfire, like fire. Um, for our community, just some examples would be there was this really big thing. I was getting phone calls all the time that Canyon City was a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants and that they were coming in by the busloads into our community. Hmm. I was getting hounded all the time. And so I did some digging at where this location was that things this was allegedly happening and it turns out that there were buses coming to this location and people were getting off of the bus and running. And the, the rumor was that they were running and hiding into the bushes and trees and whatnot. Of course, I, I had some, some of our businesses that do manual labor like, why didn't you tell me? I would have come and hired them. But... Hmm. Um, the people that were running out of the bus, there were little school children that were running out of the bus to go to the train to go on a field trip. And that's where the rumor came. So the rumor went from kids in a field trip running to ride the train to this, you know, sanctuary city situation. Oh, wow. Um, and so I always encourage in many different scenarios that if you hear something or you have your own assumptions about something that we usually need to do some more digging, um, some more exploration. I love when people call me up and say, hey, uh, Mayor, I heard such and such and such. Can you please tell me 
what's going on. And I love it when they call. And so we can have a conversation about it and it usually ends up very positively. And I feel like sometimes in the, in our church, sometimes we do need to make a phone call and ask and get, do some more digging. Or as leaders, we can't make assumptions about other people as well. So a lot of times my world has opened up if I were able to go on a ride along with our police officers and we'll go to the park where all the homeless people tend to be. And they'll be like, oh, there's so-and-so. He has schizophrenia, but his he won't take his medication. His parents can't handle it anymore, so they kicked him out of the house. And just story after story of this, where it was starting to humanize this group of people that had been really villainized in our community. And be able to get to know them on a human-to-human level was a really really big deal in many instances, whether it's talking to parents whose children are are drug addicts and the nightmare that they live every day. Um, For me, uh, I had assumptions too about the LGBTQ community. And then my own son came out as gay, actually just days after I was elected as mayor, that required me to do a lot more digging and research and understanding. And that was a really good experience for me to try to better understand groups that are marginalized and that don't necessarily have voices at the table and have more sensitivity to making sure that we do give voices to those who are different from us or that we may not understand very well, that we need the opportunity to connect to them on a human to human level and to hear their stories and to understand them. And sometimes that takes sitting down and some time and asking some questions. Mm-hmm. Man, I love how you how you put that together. And, and this is what I'm learning or what I'm hearing you say is, you know, one, just be aware of the assumptions, especially in our own minds, right? I think the brain is just wired to make assumptions because they want to, you know, we want to contextualize the world we're living in and why things happen and what's going on and what to be mad at, what to be happy about, right? And to sort of pump the brakes in the mind when we are making assumptions. And I get the emails, you know, of leaders across the wor- world who are, acting in ways that are extremely inappropriate and even abusive. And, and I hear these stories and I often think, well, you know what, if I sit down with this bishop or at least study president, I bet there'd be more to the story, right? And so as a leader, what I'm learning from you is that to combat this is you got to you got to stoke the flames of communication, right? Let's get out there. Let's see what's really happening. Okay, this bus situation, I'm actually going to drive there. I'm going to, you know, check it out. I'm going to talk to some people. And then as you communicate that to the, those you lead, it's you're humanizing the problem. Well, let me let me tell you what is really happening with uh, this homeless person, and you know his, his name's Jerry, right? And let me tell you about Jerry, and that really feeds our our mind in a way of being like, oh, okay, that those are more details that are really going to help and and diffuse these these negative assumptions, right? Well, and when you get those emails or people, especially as a leader, you probably get so, can you believe this and this, and so and so did this and this. I get that a lot too. And definitely there, there's not just two sides to a story. There's at least three or four mm, different sides. Right. Every single person is going to have a different side to the story. And so that's always really good to keep in mind too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ashley, this has been wonderful. Any, any other principle or point you want to make sure we fit in here? Uh, you know what? I've really enjoyed our conversation today. This has been really fun for me to be able to good. sit down and, 
and talk with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been fun to sort of explore leadership in this different, uh, you know, approaches of being in, in local politics and whatnot. And uh, it sounds like, I mean, I just love the idea of approaching because, man, like one thing about church leadership is these callings, these leadership callings are, you know, I just think back to my time as a bishop or in the state presidency and man, what a blessing that time was like to be involved, to see the councils working together, making tough decisions. And it really formed me and developed me in a way that I probably could have never uh, experienced elsewhere. Um, but there's just not enough of these leadership roles to go around. And, but there's many people who want that development, who would love to be involved and, you know, as we talked about, be heard and, and contribute Oftentimes, there's just not enough of these callings. And so to look at it at a, as a greater community way and say, well, what about in your community? Is there a PTA? Is there a city council, right? Is there some way for you to step into a role of leadership and uh, and find not only contribute to community, but develop as a person? I think it, it just broadens the perspective that I think is really helpful for individuals. Mm -hmm. So hopefully uh, more people out there are, are looking at mayor. Yeah, unlimited opportunities to really get out into the community and serve. And God um, God has asked us to take care of his people. And this is a, a wonderful way to take care of his people on a broader yeah. sense. And it is incredibly rewarding. And, and there is a lot of growth and development that comes through it. Well, actually, the last question I have for you, as you consider your time as mayor or in on the city council, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? To rely on Jesus and God and my faith, that's the key, and to follow their examples in, in how they would lead and how they would treat others and how I need to conduct myself and to love his people of all walks of life. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we, how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's... That's where great leaderships discover, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email, letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them and... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, to get on the email newsletter list, simply go to leadingsaints.org slash 14. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, 
we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.